Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning, and welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. My name is Brendan, and I'm your host. And this week, I am joined by our guest, Billy Ray, from the Refuge Initiative in Iraq. And Billy, you are... Okay, so I'll let you kind of introduce yourself and just give us a sense of what you normally would be doing this time of year or, you know, in a normal month and versus what you're doing right now and what's going on with you and your family. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon, for having me on. Uh, We came back from Iraq right in the middle of COVID in April and we've been resettling back in the States, uh, basically managing all of our work in Iraq uh, in the Middle East from uh, stateside and making a big transition right now. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing my role, but, uh, remotely. So what are you guys normally doing in Iraq? What's kind of your, for those of you, the people who don't maybe aren't familiar with refuge initiative, what is it and what do you guys do? What's your mission? Yeah, well, it's really a holistic, uh, platform to share, the gospel, and we we have uh, a refugee school, a community center, a medical clinic, and then we've also built some housing up to 75 homes, um, also semi-permanent dwellings for refugees. And in this context, we feel like we can uh, holistically share uh, the gospel to hmm. uh, to the refugees there in Iraq. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, Billy and his family are mission partners of ours. You guys are mission partners of ours uh, through uh, um, just the work that you guys are doing there. And uh, Matt went out to for a visit and got to see last year um, and got to see firsthand what you guys are up to, which is really cool. So um, you guys came back in April. And was yes. that because of COVID? We, it was... Honestly, the plan that we had put in place two years ago was mm-hmm. that we would hand everything over to locals and we would pull out and um, uh, I, I forgot to mention just that, you know, this, uh, the Refuge Initiative is a part of the bigger, the bigger organization of world orphans efforts throughout the world to help mm-hmm. orphans. So in Iraq, it looks a little different and we're helping refugees, but yeah, we, uh, scheduled to come back in April um, of 2020, uh, and it had bought our tickets for April 2nd. Uh, those were all canceled, and then uh, the U.S. Embassy opened up a one flight uh, for April 3rd, literally just like 12 hours later. Wow! And we were we managed to get on that flight and get home. Uh, so it was. Um, it was quite an adventure uh, <laughs> um, and there was a quarantine in Iraq at the time. So we actually went through more than 23 checkpoints just to get to the airport wow. that day. Um, and finally getting there like at midnight and then uh, the plane left the next morning. So, wow. And now you guys are back. You're running, uh, you know, uh, 
a ministry uh, remotely, that's got to be challenging right now. Um, I, I really feel like the Lord prepared us for this. Uh, a year ago, I just sat down with my Iraqi country director and I just said, hey, look, um, we need to do something a little differently. You know, I'll be leaving in a year from now. And I just need to see if things are going to work. Um, and so I began to pull back on my responsibilities locally and uh, reduced my, my hours really of, of how it, and, and just tried to see, Hey, is this going to be okay? Mm -hmm. um, and so it was um, really, I think God directed, um, directed us, you know, a year ago to, to do that. And, and we just were felt confident. Wow. Yeah. Things are going to be fine. Um, mm -hmm. We go and um, we have a great team on the ground and we have two, American families there that also help in the work who are American doctors. Um, and one of the wives is, um, is a, um, a nurse, um, and words escaping me, um, not a doula, but, a, a midwife midwife. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's trained as a midwife. So there's a, a huge need medically for, um, really, midwives and uh, birth training uh, over there. And uh, so they fill a, a vital niche in the community. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you have been preparing for this. You and your family have been preparing this for a long time. And uh, isn't it amazing that uh, now you're stepping away and seeing God's provision as you step away and, and see other people step into, into their gifting and uh, the Holy Spirit is really active in that, I think, in leadership transfer. So uh, that's really cool to see. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's turn to our passage for this morning. Our passage for this morning is um, Exodus 3, uh, verses 1 through 15. And what we do for those who are new to the Bible Reading Plan podcast is we're really centering ourselves around uh, Scripture and our Bible Reading Plan that's found on victorypoint.org. Um, it actually comes from the Revised Common Lectionary, if, uh, you have, if you're familiar with that. Um, but uh, what we'll do is we'll read this passage. Actually, Billy Ray, if you'd be kind enough to read it, and then um, we'll just reflect together about what God seems to be saying to us. Um, Billy and I both could say a thousand things about the passages that we're going to read, but what we're really interested in is not necessarily dissecting this passage or you know chopping it up to pieces or trying to analyze, overanalyze this. What we're really trying to do is uh, listen carefully and intently to God's voice in this passage and to wonder what is God saying to me, to us today um, in a way that we can uh, just respond and be shaped and formed. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of the, the goal of what we're, what we're doing here. We really want to have an encounter with God as we open up the scriptures. So uh, Billy, would you mind reading this passage for us? And then we'll just go ahead and reflect on it together. Sure. And I forgot to ask, Brad, sorry. So I have the NIV 84 version, or I could do the ESV. Which would you? You know, whatever one you want. We typically do the NRSV, but I actually like hearing other translations too, um, because it kind of helps us broaden and deepen our understanding of the scripture. So whichever one you feel comfortable with. Okay. I'll, I'll go with the NIV. That's why the, the text here I have. Great. Thank you. Um, Exodus 3, 1 through 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Thank you, Billy. Like I said, there's a thousand things we could say about this passage, and this is such a core uh, passage for us and um, in, in scripture, it's really a, an anchor point. But um, I'm just curious what, as you read this passage and um, as we listen to it together, what's kind of sticking out to you? What's maybe one or two things that's grabbing your attention? Yeah, well, I just love the, the context of, of when God is, has entered into Moses's life. Um, you know, it's probably, it's been about 40 years he's been in the desert mm -hmm. and uh, he's forgotten really the, the Israelite people. So you can imagine he was the young guy that was really zealous for the Lord and says, I'm going to do something, you know, and, and he rose up and he tried to begin to really bring about a freedom movement amongst Israelites, amongst the slaves in Egypt. And the Israelites ended up kind of turning him in, you know, they saw him kill the Egyptian, um, taskmaster and it became apparent that the israelites actually were the ones that said probably told hey did you see what moses did 
And then he had to flee for his life because of the testimony of the people that now God is saying, go and save. And mm -hmm. he spends 40 years in isolation in ignominy and just complete forgottenness. Um, he's in a position where he has completely forgotten his former life. Um, even probably all the education that he had when he was young. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's probably mold over um, the murder of that Egyptian and the way the Israelites turned on him probably a million times in his brain as he just sat out there in the desert yeah. day after day tending the sheep. And you just, it's, uh, I think, so I think it's just important to remember the context that Moses is, he's walking into God calling him again. And I, I would conjecture that um, when Moses was a young man in Egypt, there was probably some spark. There was something where he felt close to God and he was like, I need to do something for the Hebrews because I'm one of them. You know, you just, I, I just can't wait to hear the rest of that story one day in heaven. Mm -hmm. But he, he must have heard, in a sense, God's voice when he was in Egypt um, at some point when he was young. And here, but he just rejects it, you know? It didn't turn out well. It's like, I failed. I'm a failure. It's just a cycle of, um, that he may have obsessed over for, you know, 40 years and just like, and then God shows up and, and the first thing that God does in this encounter is make sure that Moses knows who is calling him and reminding him, this is my name. And this is how you can be confident in who I am. And almost like reassuring Moses, I just wonder if he's reassuring Moses in this moment and saying, remember 40 years ago when I spoke to your heart then, I'm that same spirit and I'm giving you a second chance in this moment and this is your time and you're, now you are going to be the one. I've just been preparing you um, in the desert and um, that's, I don't know, it gives me a lot of hope in my own personal life because mm. I think nobody can say that they are outside of the usefulness of God. Because here is a man, if you were to like go out and do a pastoral search committee, basically this was the man that in his past had great education, and, uh, but he, he was a murderer. He killed somebody that's in his past, and he spent 40 years in the desert as a shepherd. It was like, how is like, how do you expect us to, you know, hire you? You know, you've been 40 years in no man's land and now you, and you can't even speak. Um, and yet there was a little, there was something in Moses that said, um, all right, I'll take this step. I mean, he has this uh, little debate that goes on with God a little bit after this passage. Uh, and he's definitely all those feelings of insecurity are rising to the surface. Um, including, I think, the, the real pain of, you know, I was trying to do what was right mm -hmm. in yeah. Egypt. The Israelites turned on me. They, they put my life in jeopardy. I could have been killed with, from their testimony. And, and if you were an Israelite slave, 
this might be a way to ingratiate yourself to the slave master and taskmaster. Oh, did you see one of your own did this to, you know, so-and-so that reason he didn't show up on the rolls today is because he's burying the sand over here. And, um, you know, as a, just kind of a, as a slave, what would you do to survive, you know? And, um, and now, you know, Moses is like, I have to go back and save these guys. I had compassion on them once, but now um, God's saying to, to go back and really uh, give them a second chance. Um, and, but what if they don't believe me? You know, anyway, it's just good yeah. to, to just get the background of that, but it, it can definitely give us hope mm-hmm. that God is not through with anyone. Um, even if you spent 40 years in the desert in no man's land, God can call you back out for a great task. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a surface reading of this passage might make you think that Moses is afraid of the Egyptians, right? Like, like, I don't know if I can go, go back to Egypt to to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Um, And what you just said adds on top of that, the fear he has of the people he's called to rescue. Sure. Um, I don't think they want me to save them. I think they want to kill me um, still. I'm, I'm sure that how am I, what's it going to be like me walking back in to Egypt and facing the people who uh, wanted me dead? Um, and then to say, Hey, I'm here to deliver you. Um, and you know, the self-consciousness that comes with that, um, which can be so poisonous, I think to, are being it's self-consciousness is almost like a, a weird twisted form of pride, right? To think that we're more important than we really are. And, um, and it's like Moses is just plagued with self-consciousness consciousness here of wait, you're asking me to go back to the people that wanted to kill me. Um, not just the, the Egyptians, but also the Israelites. And God says, yeah, that's exactly who I'm calling you to go. Like, you're going to have to get over yourself a little bit and trust me. And, um, and that uh, God is willing to lead Moses back into his own fears, um, which is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, that, that That's really the transformation. That's kind of what's at stake here, I think, is in, in, in terms of Moses' resistance. Is like, can I... Can I um, advocate for the people who I think don't love me or don't, um, you know, don't think well of me. Can I advocate for those people? Can I, um, you know, can I pray for those people? Can I uh, deliver those people? Can I lead those people? Can I lead the people who may not like me or may not love me, which takes away such of the motivation that we have for leadership in the first place. And we were just, we were just talking about some leadership people that we look to, right? Like, um, and I think a lot of the people who are listening to podcasts are, are leaders in some way, shape or form, not just Christian, you know, like church leaders, but, you know, leaders of businesses or families or um, schools, classrooms. And so much of our motivation for leadership has to do with um, how well people think of us, right? If we're honest, like um, we, we are often motivated to get up out of bed because um we are excited to invest in the relationships that give us so much life and that, you know, the people that seem to come alive when we, when we lead them or the relationships we've built along the way that are mutual and compatible and um, encouraging and life-giving. 
And here that's all been stripped away, I feel like, where Moses being asked to go lead a people who, who don't think well of him and who don't praise him and worship him like leaders want to be praised and worshiped, you know? And, um, and he's being asked to lead only because God has called him to it and because he's been appointed for it, um, which is a, an amazing foundation to build a calling on, you know, like not because people are going to think well of you, not because you're going to be the superstar, but because I asked you to, I asked you to love people that are hard to love. Um, and, and that's really the foundation of Moses's call here. So I think you brought out a really great point here, just the history of Moses that he has with the Hebrews and, um, and that God is calling him to go lead people that may not like him, which I think is pretty profound. So thanks for bringing that out. One of the things that I noticed was just he's leading the, at the beginning, it says he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb. And I couldn't help but see an overlap there, you know, like a preview, uh, you know, a foreshadowing of Moses leading a different flock through the wilderness. And, and then I, it make, gives me so much, like, it's just so interesting to think about Moses later on in Exodus leading these people through the desert, a desert he knows like the back of his hand, you know, like, and he knows where all the water spots are. And he knows where, you know, like, this isn't a foreign place for Moses. He's been there before. And then that points me to Jesus to go, like, Jesus is our, our leader through the wilderness, you know, and and he's been there before. Like, there's no place that we're going to go with Jesus that he hasn't already been. There's nothing that's going to surprise him. And that makes him a good leader because he's, he's gone ahead and done it before. And even though Moses is running away here, it's like God uses that as his, as his school, his preparation, his true education for leading people through the wilderness. Um, even though at the time he thinks it's just his own suffering, he doesn't realize that it's preparing him as a leader to lead other people there. And I wonder how much that's true of Jesus in our relationship with Jesus, how Jesus leads us and has gone before us even into death, but also in our own leadership um, to realize that some of the suffering and trials that we experience um, at some, sometimes not all the time, but sometimes are used um, as ways to prepare us um, to empathetically and compassionately and effectively lead people through similar kinds of things like like Paul says, you know, um, we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. So um, that's just one of the things I was um, reflecting on. And this, the second thing was uh, Moses says, I must turn aside and look at this great sight. When he sees the burning bush, he doesn't just pass it by. Um, he turns aside. Moses' curiosity is um, what guides him into the encounter with God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, I want to have that same kind of curiosity when something happens, when I notice something to not just pass it by. And this is what in our deception language we would call a Kairos moment. When, when we, something happens, we, we pay attention and we turn aside and we don't just pass things by like this. We go like, what, why is this bush not burning up? Like what, what is going on here? And what could God be saying to me in the midst of this? So those are some of my observations. Um, Anything else you want to add to that, Billy? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's again, it's just a little bit of conjecture, but there, I bet there was. Um, uh, I just wonder, you know, this this first question that that Moses has is it, um, 
you know, about, well, I guess, who am I? First of all, that insecurity. Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then what if they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And you just wonder if there was an encounter with the Hebrews before. Let's go back 40 years. And he was trying to talk with some of the leaders about, hey, maybe we can win our freedom here. Or he didn't just go out and start, you know, immediately jump right in between two Hebrews and try to, I'm sure there was some dialogue that was leading up to this. And you just wonder if um, they, he got to a point where he was talking maybe to some of the religious leaders. And then they said, but Moses, you don't even know his name. You don't even know the God that we serve. You are made, you're in the palace over here. You know the names of all those gods, all the gods of the Egyptians. And, and you remember, you know, Yahweh, that name was so secret. It was like a secretive name, you know, um, to the Hebrews and to the scholars and scribes and, and all the Old Testament history of knowing somebody's name and, and how the, the power that was behind that, you know, uh, being able to um, bring up somebody's name or when Jacob wrestles with the angels says, tell me your name, you know, and I just, uh, I just suppose, I just wonder if there was uh, a moment where he was really humbled or, um, or, or just the Hebrew scholars of that day when Moses was a young man, just saying, listen, you don't even know his name. You don't know our history. You are not one of us. You know, there's just like, you don't know his name. Mm -hmm. And we haven't told you because it's for us. We're Hebrews and you're an Egyptian, even though your brother and sister live with us, you've been raised with the Pharaoh and you'll never be one of us. You know, you just, you, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking of the drama of that. And so there Moses is going back and being like, I don't know your name. Mm -hmm. I don't know your name. I don't know this voice that has spoken to me in the depths of my heart and said, look, look at the plight of my people, of the Hebrew people. And, and now 40 years later, God's showing up and he's saying, let me tell you who that voice was that spoke to you 40 years ago. It's me. And I'm speaking to you now, and you can, I can, you can define my name by this. I mm. am who I am, and I am the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm. And he gets that clarity in a moment. Um, still, it wasn't quite enough for him to <laughs> step across the line into his calling, but he needed to know, he needed definition, I think, um, yeah. about that. And he needed to hear God his voice specifically he needed this yeah. encounter yeah. with god or he was not moving. he was not going to go back yeah he when he's feeling shaky on his own identity he needs to be reminded of of god's identity mm -hmm. and remember who who god is who's the one he's talking to because he realizes he's not enough mm -hmm. that um it's not he, he doesn't have it in himself to do all of this he and um and and he is and in some extent he is a foreigner to the hebrew tradition right i mean it, there's that mix going on and i wonder if i mean i think part of your story helps uh mine this you know as just someone american living in iraq and 
um, I'm sure there's all kinds of questions about identity and do I, do I really belong and can I really advocate for these people? And I think a lot of that has come out and as we, we've talked about this. Um, so thank you for bringing that perspective uh, to this passage. Um, thanks for helping us understand more of Moses's journey. And um, I think you're demonstrating a lot of empathy for Moses. And, and this is something that we can do imaginatively with almost any scripture passage is just to dive into it and go, okay, I'm going to put myself in Moses's shoes. You know, how is he feeling? Why did he say that? You know, where is that coming from? Um, how can I understand his story and how would understanding his story or even trying to fill in some of his story help me understand um, his character and God's character as he relates to him. So um, anyway, so thank you for that. And um, with that, everybody, we're going to kick out of this wave and we will see you or not see you, but we will be in your earbuds tomorrow morning uh, with our Psalm for the week. So go in peace, everybody. And um, for all of us, let's remember that the leadership that we're called to is one where we are um, here to please God. And, uh, and we are oftentimes called to love and lead people who may not like us. And um, it's enough to know God's name and character, to be attached to his identity. And um, let's also go knowing that there, there are burning bushes all around us and that we have an opportunity every day to turn aside and to wonder what God might be saying to us, how God might be refining our identity and our call um, and calling us into uh, his kingdom and into ministry uh, wherever we are. So go in peace, everybody, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.